0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.
1: When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.
2: Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the petty. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning everybody. Welcome to this Thursday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep Venture Israel. As always here with Joel Elkanan and Dennis Dick. Uh, on the show today, we've got some earnings, we've got some ratings, but Tesla is at a new all-time high. Uh, the question, I guess, is not will it get to 400. The question is will it get to 420? We'll talk about that. Uh, Dennis has some other stocks hitting key levels today, so we'll get through those as well. We'll take some questions from our chat and our guest at 8:35. We are joined by Ian Weiner. He is an advisory board member at Belater Asset Management. And he will give us his thoughts on this market, Joel. Uh, what's the word here overnight?
3: Uh, we're down uh, two point seven five handles at thirty one ninety six fifty. Crude is down two cents at sixty eighty three. Gold is basically flat at four seventy nine fourteen seventy nine, and silver's in the red by two point nine cents at seventeen oh two.
2: Okay, Dennis, how you doing this morning?
4: This has been one of those mornings, guys. I can tell Joel's having one of those mornings too, but let's uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, the markets are actually flat here this morning. We've got individual movers. A little bit, if I'm just looking at the stocks themselves, just kind of taking an overview this morning, I see tech a little bit weaker, but overall here, it's very quiet. We're starting to get into a little bit of holiday trade. I mean, even if you look at the ranges from the last couple of days, it really feels like... Uh, you know, we're, we're definitely starting to get in the holiday trade. I mean, the and ps last two days, 75-cent range, 75-cent range. It's actually interesting, almost identical ranges. Joel, thoughts on that as we look at SPY? At least the SPY, I know the overnight session might have went different, but the SPY, the two la- the last days are almost identical.
3: Uh, same here in the S&P's consolidation after a big move up. Um, may have some movement tomorrow on the quad wedge, but just consolidation can't keep going up every day.
4: So let's jump over an individual stock stories here. The big earnings from last night was Micron. It has the chips trading higher. Again, the news algo going the wrong direction because on the initial numbers, they slam it. About 20 seconds later, they said, no, no, that's the wrong direction. We're going to buy it here now. Give us the details here, Spencer, on the report. And Joel, jump into that after hours action.
2: Right, so the earnings they gave were fine. Forty-eight cents to EPS. That is in line with the estimate. Sales of 5.14 billion versus 5.03 billion. So beat on the sales figure for their Q1 numbers. They gave some Q2 guidance as well. EPS guidance range 29 to 41 cents. 41 cents was the estimate there. Sales 4.5 to 4.8 billion. That is in line. So I guess you could say a little bit light on the EPS guidance, but um, in line or good on the Q1 earnings. Joel, on this tape last
4: night, bring up the after hours chart. You'll see what I'm talking about. I believe I saw 51 handle on Micron, and it was only down there. You had to have an order out to get that done because it was only down there for about 20 seconds. News algo, again, just throwing money away, wrong way. And boom, right back up, and then they started ripping it higher. I'm not sure what they read half the time when they're going the wrong direction, but we know there's been, you know, a lot of instances where it seems like on the initial print that the t- that the trades go in the wrong direction. And here we are, we're trading now four points higher from the after hours low.
3: Uh, it, 51. You did just kiss 51. Really, not much there. Uh, 5121 is your after hours low. And on that same bar, you made your after hours high, at fifty-five, fifty-nine, And then you bumped up against it for the, you know, the rest of the after hours session and the pre-market session. So you got a little seller up there. So that's what you got to do. You got to get it to fifty-five, fifty-nine. maybe take a look at 56.
4: Jumping back over to the earnings parade here. So quite a few stocks reporting this morning. I'm going to skip over Pier 1 from last night, but I don't think anybody cares about that one. Uh, CCL we're still waiting on, I believe, but we did have Darden, and it's disappointing, and it's down five bucks. And this is a big move for your Red Lobster, I guess, Olive Garden now. Um, DRI trading down five points.
2: Well, they don't own Red Lobster anymore. I, That's
4: why I, I said I guess Olive Garden now, because yeah. I already said it was the Red Lobster-Olive Garden combo, but I guess it's mainly Olive Garden now.
2: It's okay. Olive Garden They've, mainly in Longhorn Steakhouse. But uh So the Q2 EPS here, or adjusted EPS, for DRI is a buck twelve versus a dollar and seven cent estimate, so they beat that number. Sales in line, two point oh six billion dollars. Uh, they also reaffirmed their guidance for the fiscal uh, 2020 year. Adjusted EPS uh, in a range, mid six dollar range. Sales growth, uh, five point three to six point three percent. So nothing bad in the headlines. their earnings beat and a guidance reaffirmation. Stock trading down five
4: bucks, a big level down here. If you get down there, 108.57. You had a double bottom 108.58, 108.57 from October 22nd and October 23rd. It's three points away from there, so I'm not sure you're going to get there. Probably the 110 psychological level comes in before that. I didn't see. I think we're actually sitting near the pre-market lows, so yep. we're still kind of uh, digesting that's, uh, here.
3: Yep, this chart uh, reminds me of the FedEx chart from yesterday. It's just hanging out near the pre-market lows, yeah. not showing any sign of bouncing. Uh, your actual pre market low is uh, 110.55. Uh, Dennis gave you some good levels on the downside. Uh, you had a, a 110.10 low, and then I like those pair lows at 108.58, 108.57. So sitting there, sure looks like it has, you know, unless some, uh, want, someone wants to step up and be a hero, uh, looks like we got some more work to do on the downside in VRI.
4: Go in the opposite direction, Conagra Foods, CAG.
2: They look like they report a pretty good quarter. Mr. Israel. Uh, yeah, it was a good quarter for CAG. Q2 adjusted EPS, 63 cents versus a 57-cent estimate. Sales, 2.82 versus $2.8 billion. So a beat and a beat. However, they cut their fiscal year 20 EPS guidance. They cut it um, by – actually, they really didn't cut it that much. It's only a couple cents here. Uh, So it's still in line with the estimate. So I don't know how bad of a cut. That's not really a cut at all, actually. They cut it by like a penny. So I don't know. EPS beats, sales beat, guidance in line stock trading up two bucks here big
4: pop for conagra foods we saw a pretty good pop with general mills yesterday it opened up and then it tanked and gave it all back and then by the end of the day it crawled its way back anyways so still on gis 54 is the big number i don't have my book open to, to give you any levels here on conagra uh, cag at least not right now jb specs there maybe he can see something in the book I'll just say when we got up back in September, we went up close to 32, 3,183. So I would think that's going to be a major resistance point, at least for the stock. I'm sorry, what level did you say? I said 3,183.
3: Yeah, exactly. Uh, pre-market high, 3,175. That 3,183 high, uh, not sure we hit that at the end of September. Fell back to close at 31, and that was really a, uh, a really a short-term top there in the market. We have backed off, so... Thirty-one seventy-five, thirty-one eighty-three, major sell zone here, seventy cents away. And I don't know. Can get up there. Probably more size than thirty-two the way it acted when it got up in that upper thirty-one handle. Hard to pick a spot on the downside where
4: to buy it. Jump back over to the earnings parade. Let's do Accenture.
2: ACN reporting this morning. Q one EPS two dollars and nine cents versus a two dollar estimate sales. Eleven point three five versus $11.14 billion. So a beat and a beat for Accenture in the first quarter. They gave some guidance as well. The Q2 sales guidance was in line. They narrowed the range on their full year EPS guidance, but it is still in line with estimates. So basically what you want to see, a beat, a beat, and guidance in line.
4: Was trading up last night ahead of the report, uh but if you look it's been straight down ever since um is, is that candle right did this hit 193 I can't be right is that right
3: uh i do not have that on my platform
4: okay i'm just looking at the after hours chart there and i see oh no i'm looking at the bar sorry what, what why is it oh it's from it's, it's from- uh separating the bracket. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just looking through here. So we're just leaking here right now, two oh three. Sorry, we we'll strike that from the tape there. I was just looking at the chart. I did not see that either. I was just looking at the chart. I yeah, looked wrong. Okay. Eyes are buggy. The glaucoma vision getting near here again. But two oh three is where we're trading here right now. We're wide open. I mean, we're two oh five offer. We're two oh one bet. So this thing is as wide right now. Price discovery still happening. I'd say two hundred bucks is important for this to hold, though.
3: Yep, right there. Uh, This one, I was going to say it was like near two hundred five when I first looked at it, and then it got hit. So yesterday's uh, low that came in at I believe two hundred five area. Two. uh, No, I'm wrong. Two hundred three fifty one was yesterday's low in ACN. You're trading in that area, so 203. You had to keep an eye on that. Uh, 351, 0296, and then go back four days ago. You had a 0301 low. So I don't know. This kind of had a big rally. They're not taking it up after the report. Kind of looks like this thing has a date with 200 or below.
2: What about Rite Aid here? Yeah,
4: Rite Aid's getting a nice pop. R A D. Big big pop here. Maybe a little bit of a squeeze too. How would they do?
2: CVS beats and uh it says, okay, I, I see your beat and I and I raise. Uh, Q3 EPS fifty-four cents versus twenty-eight cents in the same quarter last year, sales five point four. Six versus 5.42 billion dollars, so a slight beat on that Q3 sales print. Uh, the guidance they gave was strong, they gave a full year 20 EPS guidance range of 13 cents to 55 cents. That's a big range, uh, 13 cents to 55 cents, but five cents was the estimate there, so they're beating that. Uh, sales guidance for the year, 21 and a half to just under 30 billion dollars is their range. Uh, that's in line so a strong earnings beat and a uh, full year 20 eps guidance estimate beat
3: come this far let's see if you could test 11 dollars. 1101 was your high on november 6 he had a 1092 high so boy 11 potential resistance area and then if in fact it could get through that um you had a high at 11.43 and 11, 11.50, but boy, this still has some work to do to get through 11. So I'll use that as resistance and hard to pick a spot when the stock's up 27, 27% to pick on the buy side, but we'll see what happens. Maybe 10 bucks, psychological level, but- uh,
4: It's hard because yeah. it's thin too, and the reverse splits have come into play here. You know, If you go and you look out there, obviously the stock- you know on the reverse split basis was a lot higher back. Just even in 2015, 2016, it's thin. So you get an okay quarter, thin stock, and do some funny things. I'm hands off. It's too thin for me to trade it. Jumping over. That's pretty much the bulk of the earnings. Yeah, that, that there.
2: Kind of wraps up the earnings that we we've already got. Yeah. We looking ahead to today or. After the close, at least, Nike is That's the is big one. Obviously, the big one. There are a couple others, but Nike is the big one here. Uh, I guess I'll just give you the estimates here from Nike that we're looking for EPS of 57 cents on sales of ten point oh seven billion dollars. So this will uh, when has Nike historically come out? I want to say it's around let's see, I we can look in the pro. Nike, it's historically at four fifteen. So look for the report somewhere in the or at or at 415 based on at least the past few quarters here. It's run.
4: It, it has run. Um, that's, that's the one thing we always talk about. When they run into earnings, they've got to blow it away to go higher. Stock is kind of loved though. Um, so even if it pulls back, I think you're going to probably find buyers on the dip, but it's all depends on the numbers. But Nike has been impressive. I mean, it's through the $100 psychological level here now. So it's all going to depend on the report tonight.
3: Yeah, I have to agree. Nice run ahead of the report, so they'll blow it away. I'm sure there'll be some good good action in it, trading up 33 cents here. And uh, what was the high from yesterday, if anyone's looking to trim ahead of the report? Uh, we're above yesterday's high, 100.71, so uh, that's a gap fill if you want to try and buy it there. Old-time closing high from yesterday is what I'd keep an eye on, 100.57.
4: So moving away from the earnings just for a little bit there, and we'll get to the ratings here in a second too. But again, I just want to jump into big levels here that you know I've been noticing. We gave you a bunch yesterday. We talked about the Merck at 90. That is still uh, obviously there because it hasn't taken it out. Um, it did get up there yesterday and came close to taking out 90. Again, kissed it right on the button. So these big levels just work sometimes. If you're interested, Home Depot 220 is a big level here. I'm just going to run through them. If you see someone you like and want to talk about, Joel, let me know. Again, Bristol Myers from the other day. I'm going to talk about 65 being a big level. General Mills did not take out the size of 54 yesterday, so that is still there. It's trading up slightly here in the pre-market, but I would expect it has some resistance as you get upwards towards the upper fifty-fours just like we had yesterday on GIS. We can jump over to Johnson and Johnson. 145, big size up there. Somberger came close to these levels just work. 40, it kissed it yesterday and did not get over it. So SLB if you're trading, uh, huge level there and huge size sitting up there at 40 dollars. Uh, irobot, we talked about the one or talked about the $50 level. It did take it out yesterday. I'm still longing that in the long-term portfolio. And then Eli Lilly, 130. Again, these stocks just kissing these levels. 129.98, and not getting through it. So this morning, uh, maybe it's getting a running start on it, but Lilly is big at 130.
3: Uh, JV Specs adding 80,000 shares offered at 101. And Nike, 90,000 shares. At, wow, that's
4: uh, big too. Yep,
3: at 102.5. And, and uh just uh, just an interesting note here from Coin Collector. Uh, he says he streams the show on his Peloton doing a scenic view ride in the Alps. And I just want to say that uh, we did get our Peloton yesterday.
4: How and, was it? And, How was uh, it? Did you try it, it out?
3: It, it kicked, no, I did not. But Lisa did this morning, and she's in good shape, and she didn't do the beginner ride. She did a country music ride, and she said it kicked her butt. She, she it kicked her butt. Wait,
2: ex- explain the country music ride. Yeah, yeah. I want
4: to know that? what country music ride's all about.
3: It's, well, come on. It's simple. You are doing a workout to country music. And this girl was working now. Uh, it was a hard workout.
4: But I there's video, it. too, right? So what is it? Yeah. Just like videos of people singing country music?
3: No, there's a video of a girl on a bike
4: instructing.
3: Instructing. And then there's people in the background. And right. then you pick, you know, your scenic, like Coin Collector did a ride in the Alps. And you can pick uh different music genres. So she took, uh, she did country. She likes country music. And uh, it was a really hard workout. She was sweating after it. So I'll, uh, maybe I'll try it tomorrow. So you're bullish. Weekend. I'm bullish <laughs> the politics. Oh, and there's <laughs> other things
4: you can do on there. Yep. Yep. We, we got to get the, the troll review once you use it. We'll I to- should
3: have brought my shoes in.
4: I should come over and use it. And then he could get the dentist review too. But you know what? It, the, the normal treadmill kicks my butt, so I'm sure the peloton will really kick my butt.: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about can we talk about Tesla here? although yeah, actually, unreal. Joel, did you have any thoughts?: Squeeze on- them. Squeeze, squeeze
4: everyone. No, just keep no, squeezing. Okay. Never stop squeezing in Tesla. That's what's basically happening here. The squeeze just continues.
2: Why can't it be just a natural rally? Why does it have to be a short squeeze?
4: Uh, It started as a short squeeze. It's everything now. So it's not even just a short squeeze, Spencer. It's a panic buying rally here now. I mean, you got Kramer on Mad Money. Buy, 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 buy. Just pounding the table on Tesla here. I mean, we love you, Jim, but we didn't hear anything from you at 180, 190, 200. And now all of a sudden at 393, we're hitting the buy button kind of doing it backwards in my opinion but at the same time the trend is your friend if you're long this thing i don't see why it doesn't get to 400 today um it's been just an impressive move we've been bullish it for a long time um i again i've never had the stomach to hold the stock myself but um i think we're going through 400 probably today does it get the old 400, go 402, 403, sneak a few people in there and then pull back from there? That's still to be determined. I'm not going to try to call the top on this thing, though. It is just hot and there are still people short. I mean, what's the short interest still? Think about if you were short this, Spencer. What would you be doing besides sitting on the toilet all day because you're so, I uh, got so much anxiety from it? What else? Short percent of float is twenty one percent. It's still so it's went down. It was like at thirty percent. So some of these shorts have squeezed out, but it's still twenty one percent. There's still some significant people that are getting the house
2: yeah, out of them on this. But like, how many of these shorts are like large institutions that can't just like sell like that?
4: That's it's dead. It's hard. It's hard to get out of these things a lot of times. So I agree with you. It's very hard to work out of big positions and stuff like this. And, you know, and you're looking here and do you really want to stomach, you know, finally, just after all this time, eating it up at the all time highs of 393 and we're at all time highs. Who would have thought when we were in the summer and so many people are saying, oh, Tesla's a zero. And that's when I put the non-bankruptcy trade and I said, I don't know if it's a $400 stock, but I don't think it's a zero. And that's when I wrote the 120 puts. I wish I would have held it. And Jeremy Newsom was in that trade with me, too. He wrote a couple more times, though. I just wrote it once. I should have, uh, you know, obviously reinitiated and I never did. I've been waiting for a pullback to reinitiate my put sales and there's been no real pullback to be had. The stock, you know, we did have the little bit, you know, on the whole broken glass incident there with the ugly truck. But, you know, since then, and we talked about it starting around even back then and saying, man, it looks like it's going to go again. And it did. This thing has been basically performing technically very well.
3: Uh, pre-market high comes in at uh, 398.46. You just got up there again and hit 398. I'm standing correct at 398.47. Uh, easy target on the upside, 400. Really, it's a NASDAQ stock. You can't talk size. So let's see what happens. Pre-market you can't if it's in the
4: ARCA book or the yeah, NASDAQ the book, but you just don't see as much size on those.
3: Yeah. As so I could give you, it's 398.47. That's so far as your pre-market high. That's only two bucks away, so. That could easily be taken out, 400, psychological, and everyone's saying how, 420.
2: How crazy would it be – yeah, 420. How crazy would it be if it gets to 420 this year, right? If, oh, it could easily do it. If, what, a few months after the uh, the 420 tweet, it ends the year at 420? I mean –
4: that's karmic think about everything that it's went through i mean all you know oh musk you know we got to put this guy in jail because of this tweet you know there's all people pounding the table to like 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 arrest this person and they're burning cash so fast you know like i mean all those arguments i mean and we've said this before if they start to continue to produce positive cash flow here what's the bare argument the technology is good the cars are awesome i think the truck is ugly but apparently other people don't even my brother-in-law was saying that he thinks the truck's okay and he would consider buying it so some people actually like the ugly truck um i don't personally um but you know what you look at here and it's hard to get bullish here now i mean if you're getting bullish now i feel like you're way late to the party there was so many times to get bullish jason rasnick from Obviously, Benzinga has been all over this trade the whole time. You know, he's come on the show multiple times when the stock was 300, when the stock was 250, and just say buy it. And, you know, he's been proven right here. And it was probably, you know, not fun for him when it's down in May and June when the stock, you know, gave back, you know, 30% here. But since then, it's been a lot of fun. And since that earnings report where they obviously made some money, it's been straight up. And that's because those arguments of, you know, burning cash don't work very well when the stock's not burning cash. Uh, maybe I think, it starts burning cash again and you know the bears are trying to say they're cooking the bucks and doing all these other things but it's call a spade a spade it was a really good quarter and uh you know he's laid off to twitter you
3: know he just he has that, cleaned that, himself that, up a little bit The single biggest factor in this rally is he is just let the market dynamics work on its own and he hasn't come out i mean the court injunctions or whatever the hearings he just he's staying
4: off it getting uh showing a little bit of uh a little bit of discipline good for him and good for tesla i'm happy for the tesla bulls because you know what they've had to stomach a lot of stuff through all this so i was a closet bull the whole time i was long at a couple times couldn't stomach it, like i said so i decided to do it through the put rights and made it a little bit easier to stomach but at the same time i mean this stock has just you know been an unbelievable performer in the back half of the year yeah, horrible if, first hey. half of the year Awesome back half of the year. So congratulations, what deep, Bulls. What a what a twelve months. I so just said look at the Unbelievable.
2: From three seventy completely one. hated
4: in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> From three seventy to one seventy. Two hundred point fall. Fifty percent fall. It's crazy. You know what you know what
3: would really make it fun if uh if they did like a ten for one stock split. Yeah. Make it a forty dollar
4: stock. I can't, they don't do those that much anymore. You no, know, I used they don't. to see stock splits when we and Joel started trading back, you know, and Joel started in the you know, 1950s. Cool. But uh, when I started trading in 1999, you know, you, it was very commonplace. Stock gets over $100, $120 to do a stock split. It's the cool thing to have the high price stocks. I mean, we're trading fractions of a share even right now. So, you know, you used to say, oh, well, the small investors can't participate. Well, they're fractions of a share. They can participate. Yeah, they they can, can, can buy a fraction of an Amazon share here now. So that argument's off the table. And it's just the cool thing to have the high stock price. So you just don't see the splits like you used to. Warren Buffett was always a believer that never split the stock. And the reason he said that is because it costs money and it obviously does nothing. You know, there's, there's no point to it is what he said, which, you know, maybe he's right. And obviously the, I thought the only point was, you know, you get smaller investors participating because they don't want to come in and buy a $1,000 stock. I always liked it as a trader because I don't like trading the $1,000 stocks with the two point spreads either. But- I mean, there's cost of split stocks, so you just don't see it very much anymore.
2: Maybe they don't want their stock being traded, right? They want it being held.
4: Well, that's some people, that's true too. There's that, that's very true, Spencer. I think you've got some people that, you know, really believe that we don't want to, um, you know, and obviously you have even got, you know, politicians that believe that trading is bad. Um, you know, when they're talking about putting a trading tax on, they believe that, you know, the speculator is evil. There's people that actually believe that out there. They don't understand the fundamentals of liquidity, where speculators are the bulk of your liquidity every single day. And that's how you get in and out. The speculator allows you to get in. You know, they just look at it and and see all oh, this volatility. Oh, it's the speculators that are moving the stocks around. Without speculation, I tell you, the stocks would move around a lot more because you wouldn't have any liquidity. So, but there's people, you know, that, that seriously believe that they don't want their stock traded. Companies believe they don't want their stocks actively traded either. Well, we know when Insider, when you go to sell your shares, you're selling usually to a speculator when you're selling in the open market, unless you're doing, you know, an offering. And even at that, you're doing and selling to speculators as well. Speculators allow you to get in and out of the market. So you know, you day traders out there, you're doing a good job out there. Don't anybody anybody hand you know say to you, you do nothing good. You're just a leech on society. and You're just siphoning off money. You're providing liquidity to the market, allowing the institution to buy and sell their stock. That is what the day trader and that is what the high-frequency trader's purpose is in this market, and it's necessary.
2: Uh, let's move on here, Dennis. You're losing a our relationship trade this morning. What am I losing? Uh, You're losing the IAC match trade. So what is
4: happening here? Tell me.
2: Um, they, uh, they're splitting up. IAC will receive, will receive $3 per share, uh, in consideration for the separation match group is separating itself from IAC.
4: And that sucks. Obviously, they're both moving still together here this morning. I love this relationship and I've traded this relationship and made money from this relationship for a long time. So disappointed that I eventually, they keep taking relationships away from me. I loved uh, when we had AABA, Baba, that one was a good one. This match IAC is a good one. They don't like me. Why is the market picking on me?
3: It's good for both. Well, uh, IAC is up on very light volume. I only see 214 shares traded up 4.79 to or 226. Match is up a buck 86 at 73.10. Let's see what we can see uh, levels on uh, IAC here. 226. Uh, your two day high may come into play. If you're looking for a potential resistance area, just look at your two and three days highs. Twenty-seven, thirty-eight, twenty-eight, fifteen, and then for MTCH, I like this a little bit better. It got excited, got up to seventy-five, and someone said, "Enough is enough already." So there's your offer. Seventy-five is your resistance. Do we have any daily levels there? Uh yeah, we got a pair of highs at seventy-four, seventy-six, and seventy-four, ninety-two. So let's see if you get back up to seventy-five here in MTCH.
2: And then another, yeah. I was I was going to move on to another deal. If you sure, had. let's do it. Tivo is combining with Xperi. Ticker T I V O and X P E R. They are combining into one company. Uh, they're going to merge at a uh, fixed ratio of point four five five. So Tivo shareholders will get fifty three percent of this new company, fifty three and a half percent actually, and Xperi shareholders will get the remaining forty six and a half percent of the combined entity
4: risk herbs bringing it right in here so what's my ratio so i can i get a new deal to trade what's my ratio
2: 0.455
4: 0.455 so your risk arb traders out there write that one down 0.455 shares of your xper is going to be equal to one of your tivos and if we look this morning tivo is trading up and xper is trading down significantly so they are already bringing that relationship nicely in
3: yeah, uh, Tivo got a little poppy. I'm surprised this stock's still around. Had a bunch of resistance at uh, eight thirty five, eight forty five. Snuck through that in the uh, in the pre market, getting up to eight seventy six. But stick with the ratio and trade it that way. That's why it's going to be trading for a while.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think we were saying earlier that uh, Tivo is around for their technology, like the they're the IP that they have, right? Because they're sort of very early in the uh, digital recording, I guess you can maybe call it streaming space. I'm not sure, but I mean they're the precursor to the DVR. So uh, I don't know anyone that has a TiVo, but I'm pretty sure they're just around. That's why
4: TVR. it's all just built in or to a it, DVR. It's, it's, so it's just, they were the first DVR, and right. It's just, I mean, this is kind of like. I don't want to compare Roku to TiVo here, but there is, you know, some comparisons that you can well, there's draw. there's
2: probably some technology that, that, that overlaps, right? That- yeah,
4: and, and I'm just saying is, you know, you had the TiVo, which was your first, this is the way you can record, and it was TiVo, and everybody's going on again, TiVo. Well, then they incorporated it all into the TVs, and then you don't need TiVo anymore, and we saw, you know, it's TiVo stock. What's the all-time high in TiVo, Joel? Uh,
3: I'm going to have to go to the Lord. monthly. Go way and, out. And uh, in 2000, uh, TiVo, Traded at 137.
4: There you go. So long-term, this is kind of my feeling for Roku. Sorry, Bulls. And I still, you know, and, and, and short-term, I still think Roku. And, you know, I even have a position in Roku. So I just think long-term, and I still, like I was saying, I think Roku, short-term, they're still going to have a good quarter. I think they're still, you know, it's still there. Just long-term, I'd just be scared to hold this in my long-term portfolio. I, that's I my think, argument.
2: I think that's a fair comparison to make. I uh, think so, too. All right, eight thirty-one here. Got about four minutes left before we're gonna grab today's guest, Ian Weiner. Like I mentioned at the top, uh, advisory board member at Eater Asset Management. In the meantime, let's get to some ratings here because there are. Uh, I feel like we're like at the very end of the rating season here. It's gonna be really quiet for the next couple of weeks, so this is kind of. Our, I feel like it's our last chance to discuss uh, good, interesting ratings, and we have a couple this morning. Uh, I guess we'll start with Johnson Johnson. They get, are catching an upgrade this morning as I pull them up from Barclays to Overweight, and they're raising their price target from 140 to 173.
4: What stock was that one? J&J. So they're upgraded again today? Yep. What is with these back-to-back-to-back upgrades? 145, we talked about this level already. That's where the size is in the book. That's the level that the stock is going to find resistance at, in my opinion. Let's see what it does there.
3: Uh, trading up 81 cents here at 144, taking out that high from yesterday. Your two day high was 144.05. So maybe if it opens up and holds 145, then maybe look 144. Uh, look for that size at 145. Not much in here to talk about. For and what is this? We do have an all time high, though, all time high. If you want. To hold out here for another upgrade or two, Uh, back in November and December of last year, about a year ago, uh, you hit 148.75 and 148.99. So there's your all-time highs. Still a little ways to go, but that target at 175, uh, I mean, maybe they're looking for another move here that we just had from 132 to 144. You're going to need another three of those moves, which would just be way out of... Way out of character here for Johnson & Johnson, but as we know, anything can happen in this market.
2: And then so we talked about Barclays upgrading Jane and They're also yeah. upgrading Cisco this morning to overweight, giving CSCO a $53 price target.
4: Nice pop for Cisco. I'm still long this in the long-term account. It's starting to show some life, but I'm going to tell you are going to run into resistance up at 48. So, you know, it's fun. It's looking like it's you know, been moving pretty good here, but major resistance up here at 48.
3: Just a gap to fill. People are waiting for that gap fill 48.15. You have a gap between 46 and 48.15. Working its way through there, no reference points to look at in between, trading up 48 cents right at the highs of the pre market session. So bids and offers right there. Price discovery still going
2: on. Let's see what happens at 48. All right, let's bring on our guest today, uh, Ian Weiner. As I mentioned, he is an advisory board member at Belater Asset Management, also the author of Ubiquitous Relativity. Ian, good morning.
0: Good morning, guys. How are you?
2: Uh, doing well. How about yourself?
0: Can't complain. It's the
2: holiday season, right? Holiday season. Sounds yeah, sound like you got a lot of
3: holiday cheer there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> what uh, tell us about your new role here before we get into the markets. Sure. So I'm on the advisory board of Bellador Asset Management. Um uh Bellator is a service disabled uh 100% veteran owned and operated business. Um so uh as a for, as a veteran myself, um I'm helping them as they kind of build their business uh it's a long short hedge fund with with some focus on syndicate uh and so it's just a good opportunity for me to stay involved uh um and uh and, and help some guys out because part of their mission uh, in addition to obviously trying to produce returns for investors is is uh, to hire veterans uh and and give to veterans charities
3: focus on
0: syndicate could you go
3: in a little deeper in that explanation
0: Sure. So, you know, there's a, there's a multiple strategies out there, um, that involve uh, syndicate. Um, the fact that, um, Bellator is a veteran owned and operated business. Um, they have exposure to syndicate that, that other businesses don't have because they are part of that diversity bucket. Um, and so it, it, they have the ability uh, to participate in syndicate uh, in, in a way that perhaps is, is different than you would see um, you know, in, in ordinary sort of long-short hedge funds. Um, and so, so that's part of the strategy. So as, as fund of funds as different sort of investors are looking for a way to diversify strategies and have a portfolio of strategies, uh, this is one that, that if they're looking to invest in a, in a, you know, a minority slash diversity firm um, that, that will necessarily um, have, have a different look at, at syndicate, this is, uh, this is a good way to do that.
3: Okay, thank you for that explanation. Uh, overall market talk here, uh, with one heck of a rally uh, going into the year end. Uh, can you identify some of the key factors that you think are driving this rally?
0: Yeah. So I think there's two things going on. I think the first one is pretty obvious. It's the liquidity. Um, We continue to see uh, central banks take um, more and more dovish steps uh, even with the market hitting highs and and the recent, you know, quantitative easing by the fed uh, and the treasury bill market. um, Even if they're not calling it, that is, is yet again, just another example of, of more, uh, Gas being thrown on the fire by by you know central banks, and they've made it clear that they're not going to do anything with rates uh, for the next year. Um, and the rest of the banks around the world um, are still uh, in in ease mode and um, continuing to uh, lean dovish. And so, from that aspect, that's one. That's the the biggest thing that's going on. The second thing, which I think is is not talked about as much, is, is positioning. And, and what I mean by that is you've got a lot of active managers out there and, and, and by active, I mean you know not just mutual funds but hedge funds as well, and who are lagging uh, the broader indexes again. And for some hedge funds, this is the, you know, the, 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 every one of the years for the last decade. Um, but at this point, they need to um, catch or, or not miss, I should say, is, is a better way, the rally. So you've got this, what I refer to as synthetic short base, where where people have missed uh, the performance and need as much performance as they can get into the end of the year. So as a result, you know you have all these all these funds waiting to buy the dip and and not willing to sell stocks, and so that's why every sell off for the last month has really been. Uh, You know, pretty weak and and no real follow through. Uh, And so I think that that will probably continue uh, into the end of the year and probably in the beginning of next year as people try to position for for a better year in 2020 Um, And then after that, we'll see. But, but I do think those are the two twin factors that are that are continue to drive this rally uh, higher all right,
3: we, uh, we're talking about the uh, factors behind the rally. Let's talk about some of the biggest risks to the market here in 2020. And boy, oh boy, you got several things here. So I guess uh, we could start with the election and then you can um, highlight some of your other, other potential risks to the market in 2020.
0: So right now I would say that, that uh, m- the majority of investors you forget about the rest of the overall country for a moment, the the majority of the investors think Trump's going to be reelected. And if that's the case, obviously that's, that's um, bullish, um, especially relative to the other options. So, you know, we need to keep an eye on that. I I don't know how it's going to unfold. I have no way of handicapping that. Um, I, I do think that, that if it's a Joe Biden who happens to be elected, um you know that's okay too uh but it's not as good as as necessarily what what we've had the last four years uh or what we would continue to have with another four years of the president um but if you get obviously an elizabeth warren as the nominee for some reason uh you're going to have pressure you're going to have pressure on the market you know pretty much the entire summer and fall uh because it's going to ebb and flow with with how that looks and you're just going to have that element of fear out there that, you know, if for some reason she can win, uh, obviously that's a game changer for, for everything on the business side and the market side. So that, that's, that's probably, you know, the, the biggest uh, risk um, from an asymmetric uh, perspective. I think there's a few other things um, that people should at least Keep an eye on um, this negative divergence in the transports, which just seems to be continue, continuing to go on. And, and obviously, FedEx yesterday was the main culprit. But you know, FedEx sounds terrible. Um, now we can dismiss that, uh, you know, or we can say, well, uh, this is a pretty big economic indicator um, globally. So it's it's it, you know it's not the end of the world, um, but it, it should be something that's flagged that. You know there's clearly an issue um in in the global economy in the manufacturing side now the consumer is doing fine um as far as I can see uh, but you know those are two kind of divergences that are happening so just you know I think that's one thing we need to keep an eye on um, in addition to the election. The other things uh the first one is 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 the china deal um I don't really know what's going on here. It's unclear to me what exactly we've gotten out of this. um, If we've gotten anything, Um, the whole kind of 18 month process to me is still unclear as to what, um, you know, we've, we've done or what happened. I mean, originally I thought the goal was, you know, to kind of curb the IP theft and, and, and um, sort of trade secrets. Uh, I'm not really sure where we got on that. So that's something to me that, you know, you could wake up one morning and you're just going to have kind of a, the Chinese say, you know what, forget it. We're just going to we're going to walk for a little while. And I think they know that they have some leverage as we get closer to the election. So I think if they are going to do something that hurts us, um, it's going to be probably in the spring uh, or summer as they say, OK, well, you know, we're going to put Trump's foot to the fire and, and really hurt these the country into the election. That's something to keep an eye on. Um, and then finally, you know, a statistic that I've been looking at, which I think is alarming, um, is if you look at the CapEx, right? And everybody's been talking about how you know, CapEx is still pretty weak from the US corporate sector and money spent on buybacks instead. But 5% now, 5% of total US company CapEx is coming from companies who are losing money. So that's up from almost nothing. So if you look at the the whether it's Uber or or you know WeWork or any of these other companies that are that are hemorrhaging money, it's because of the free capital they're getting from the central banks that they're able to just I don't want to say flush money down the toilet, but they're basically just spending with no parameters whatsoever. And so as capex you know becomes as the bigger percentage of capex becomes, these companies that are losing money you start to see this as, as clearly unsustainable. Um, and so that's just another thing to kind of keep an eye on is, is the speculative kind of uh, uh, mentality that's happening as a result of central bank liquidity that's driving activity that, that, you know, uh, is, is something worth uh, watching.
3: All right. So there's a couple stocks here that you're bullish in. Uh, they're, these stocks, uh, while well, one is really out of favor here. Had a good day yesterday, or yeah, two days ago. Let's talk your bullish scenario here for Boeing. Uh, came down to the bottom of the trading range, held that trading range, uh, traded up to 335 and a quarter yesterday here. So is this a technical thing where you're looking at the bottom of the trading
0: range or what's your bullish, bullish scenario no. for Boeing? Well, so I, I think that there's a few things. You know, first, you know, the Boeing... Um, it's not going out of business. Uh, and and I say that, that, and I don't mean that in like a cavalier way. It's, it's still, it's still a duopoly. Um, the 737 max at this point, even if you assume it's never coming back, right. You're almost at that point where you've sort of priced it in Mm -hmm. here, kind of here to 300, you've got, you know, almost a trillion dollars worth of defense spending every single year. That does not appear to be stopping anytime soon. You've got a holding base that's completely turned over. And I think this is probably the most important thing. The, guy, the, the, the funds who've bought this stock over the last year uh, are, are, are either GARP funds or, you know, growth at a reasonable price or, or, or some value types. These funds that bought this stock over the last year and took all the pain and the headaches and everything of this uh story um, they're not sellers at three seventy five you know they're not going to trade this you know they're investing in this because they think that the stock can go to four to five hundred in a couple of years once this is kind of cleaned out and so to me, that's probably the most bullish thing, but the other thing is, look you know it, We've seen this before, right? Multiple times where a company has a major issue and then, you know, what's going to happen in 2020 is people are going to say, well, they're, you know, they're lapping all these issues and the compares are going to get easy and easy and easy. And, and, and then all of a sudden one thing will go right Mm -hmm. and, you know, you'll see the stock rip again. And so I, I just think that you got a pretty good upside downside scenario here. Where I think 300 is, 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 I mean, unless we just fall into a complete recession, you know, 300 to me is sort of the, the, it's not going below that. And if anything goes right in 2020, as people start to look at 2020 and 2021, and that's how people kind of look at the, a name like this, you, know, you could get 4, 425 uh, by the end of the year. So I think here it's a pretty good uh, stock to own and it's a real company with a real secular tailwind so that to me and, and, and you know consensus obviously is pretty negative on it and whenever you know, i think some ratings agency downgraded the you know downgraded it say so whenever that starts happening that's usually <laughs> all right uh, another stock that you're uh
3: bullish and i'd say you've been bullish for quite a while going against the crowd here uh, Netflix uh, trading up 319 here in the pre-market 2399 came out with some uh, bullish statistics. Uh, was that yesterday or the day before uh, some subscribers uh, sub statistics that gave a boost to the stock. What are you looking at here on the long side?
0: So clearly, you know, sentiments pretty negative. I, I think boiling it down is the fear of sub loss to apple and disney is so wildly overblown in my opinion that that people are missing the forest to the trees here and and there are what i think the biggest the biggest thing people don't appreciate is there are a large percentage of netflix's subscribers only use netflix and i think that you know those of us who, who are on the coasts and have 70 different streaming services that doesn't make any sense but there are a lot of the 160 million subscribers that netflix has they don't have any other services so they're not it's not like they're saying well i've got all these services i'm just going to cancel netflix what they're going to say is well Why you know I only I'm only paying for this. Why would I Why would I just cut this to just join something else? And so I think because of that, the 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 subs are a lot more sticky than people think. And so I think this 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 belief that there's going to be some mass exodus um, is just it's wrong. I don't I don't I don't think that's the case. And I think that's the opportunity is as they report, um, you know that that people are going to start to see that okay maybe this isn't having the same effect. And, and at one hundred and sixty million subscribers, you know if there is it the streaming wars, right, like well, who do you want to own? Do you want to own the, the, the companies that have no subscribers and are trying to ramp a business that maybe in five years will have you know uh, fifty million or or you know do you want to own the, the 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 people out there that have the scale that that in a streaming war will survive, and not only that. But at some point, the Uber bull case on Netflix is they're going to raise price. And so once, you know, you get through this kind of the the, the headlines and all the noise, you're going to have a company that is is still uh, the dominant player in in streaming, may have the ability to raise price. And it's not like, you know, credit, if you're worried about credit, then, then, you know, you should worry about the whole market. But right now, the liquidity that's out there, is allowing companies like Netflix just to continue to ramp spending on content. And so what is, you know, what's the bear case? If they're just going to be able to raise money uh, and, and continue to add good content to their, to their slate and therefore keep their existing subs and, and add subs here and there as around the world, I just think that people are way too negative on the stock. And, and, and I think it you know gives an opportunity to run towards that old high.
1: Well, hey, and
4: Dennis Dick here. I just want to comment too, because I have been one of those bears and I've been wrong. I mean, the stock has been moving up here. I've been bearish for about a year. So I started getting bearish in the 300s. I went down to 250 in the summer. I kind of look like a genius and it's back up here at 320. And um, I think a lot of stuff that you're saying is true. And, you know, I've been on the other side of it saying, look, you know, it has got a nosebleed valuation and competition is coming. I don't like that combination. I was even saying it a few days ago. It's why I'm not long the stock. I'm not short the stock either, because you know what? The technicals don't allowing to short it here the stock just continues to show relative strength despite all these worries so it's been climbing that wall of worry um i still don't know if i want to pay these kind of valuations just because i do you know you got disney plus you're going to have comcast i you know i can foresee in like two or three years seven or eight different streaming services here so the the one argument for the bears has been well, you know you got disney trading 22 23 times earnings they have all the parks they have everything else behind them they don't really give, you know, and then you've got Netflix trading 70 or 80 times forward earnings. Um, is there going to be some type of, you know, contraction, in the Netflix multiple and expansion, in the Disney multiple? I don't know. It's such a small piece for Disney. Maybe that's not going to happen. But competition is coming. The question is, is this multiple sustainable? That's more the question. I don't believe that they're going to start losing subscribers. But if the growth starts to slow. Does that mean that the multiple contracts some? And it looked like it was going to in the summer, but I'll tell you right now, the technicals are saying no.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that those are all fair points. I mean, there's, there's certainly, there's, there's no question that there's competition and, and it's going to increase And in that Disney certainly has the muscle, and Apple does too. I mean, they have the muscle and the, and the balance sheet to 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 really kind of make a dent in this. I just I feel like when, you, when, when one looks at sort of the scale of the businesses, you know, it's, it, there's, they're, yes, they're Disney and Apple, but they're starting from zero. And so, you know, it, it just takes a long time to get people um, to a point where they're going to, um, you know, start to really look at, at these as, as alternatives as opposed to add-ons. Um, and so I think that that you know we'll, we'll see. Uh, you know, it's hard. It, it, things could go wrong for sure, and I've been wrong plenty of times. Um, but I do think in this case, uh, people are 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 way too bared in uh, on on this company right now. Uh, so, Ian,
2: I, I I want to get your thoughts. Uh, what was your reaction? Just one more on the Netflix, and we'll wrap up. But what was your reaction to Netflix releasing that? international um, subscriber growth data uh, a few days ago here, it, the, the glass half full reaction is like, well, look how great their, their um, subscriber growth is in other markets. And the glass half empty is, well, yeah, they're just trying to distract us from their subscriber growth, not growing in the, in the United States. So what was your reaction to their releasing
0: of that data? Cause we don't, we don't get data from them very often. Well, I mean, I think that, 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 People who are expecting this huge subgrowth in the United States, I don't, you know, I don't know where where they think that's all going to come from. Um, I think the U.S. is pretty saturated at this point. I think the U.S. is more of a price increase story at some point. Um, I think it's just important for them to probably figure, you you know, I mean, they're not that they see everything else and all the negativity as well. That it probably doesn't hurt to just remind people of, you know, the the addressable market out there is obviously the entire world and. you know, the content that's being made for Netflix, um, is global. Uh, and so I just think it's a, it's, it's a reminder, um, that people, you know, take a look at the story on a holistic view and not just into the United States and even not just in Europe. Um, and so I look at it as, you know, a a reminder. I don't, you know, it's certainly not a reason that, that for me to change my view or, or add more stock. It's more just like, okay, yeah, that's, That's true. And and, you know, let's let's um, hopefully people just step back and and say, well, you know, all right. Yeah, that that is true. And maybe before I just start, you know, assuming the stock's going to be a a zero, I I should realize that, um, you know, them and HBO are really the only two who have massive scale right now. All right.
3: That's a great discussion there on Netflix. Just one stock that you don't like, and I'm uh, probably agreeing here with Goldman Sachs, Macy's. You're bearish Macy's. Mm-hmm. G- give us
0: uh, give us your scenario. So so here's my my, my Greek mythology for the day. Um, you know, Macy's is sort of stuck between Scylla and Charybdis in the sense that, you know, the six-headed monster on one side, you know, fr- from the Odyssey is, is Amazon and, and Walmart and all these companies with massive scale and massive uh, online operations that, that can simply uh, price them out uh, and deliver the same goods that they have uh, at a much easier uh, and rapid pace and cheaper. And on the other side, the, 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 you know, the, the sort of whirlpool that they're, they're falling into is you know, the Ross stores and the TJ Maxx and, and the Burlington's of the world that, that you know, offer an experience for shoppers that's Amazon proof. Uh, it's a, it's a treasure hunt, you know, people for whatever reason, like to go and find stuff that, that, you know, brand name stuff that's, that's very cheap. Um, and so from both of those ends, that's where Macy's sort of stuck in the middle. Um, and it's unclear to me, there's a strategy to get out and it, it, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to Macy's, but I, I, I think that, that given the enterprise value is still pretty big, um, you know, I don't see any reason why this stock can't, can't go into the single digits next year.
2: We've been on the line with Ian Weiner, as I mentioned uh, at the top. He's an advisory board member at Bellator Asset Management, also author of Ubiquitous Relativity. Ian, thank you so much for the time today. Have a great uh, rest of your year. Have a great holiday season, and we'll talk to you again in uh, 2020.
0: You too, guys. Thanks a lot for having me.
3: All right. Thank you. We kept him a while there, but it had some good input. I'd like to hear, you know, the other side of the coin on Netflix. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's always good. And he's made some good calls on this show. Uh, I remember when we were talking about Beyond Meat a while back, and the thing was going up. And he said, you know, a lot of times these stocks get out of, you know, out of control and have major runs. But a lot of times they come back to roost and uh, well yeah.
4: i think the point Ian made and i remember that time on the beyond yep. I mean it was such a fabulous point was he's like when you see these stocks with these incredibly you know high short interest and you know on these high flyers nosebleeds a lot of times these guys end up being guys and girls end up being right it's just a matter of can they hold through all the pain of you know and, and can they even are they allowed to hold i mean cuz the locate was so tough so, you know, when you get these $8 billion valuations on a company that makes veggie burgers, I mean, it doesn't seem, you know, like it should be there, but, you know, the market can stay irrational much longer. You can stay solvent. So, long run, I'm not buying that because I think eventually it's going to come to roost, but can you hold through it all? And I think, you know, shorts learned a hard lesson there on probably even, you know, on hard to borrow stocks if you hadn't you know, done them before that when you can't find the locate. You can get bought in, and I do believe there was some buy-ins over 200, and I think that's why we've seen the ridiculous yeah, I remember that where day. there was people, and, and obviously you don't know that for sure, but the locate was always tough. And if you have a locate with the broker the way the buy-in works, and all of a sudden your broker can't get the locate, they'll send you a message and say, look, you can't locate the stock. you got to cover it in. If you don't cover it in, we will go into your account and cover it because we have to stay in with SEC regulations here. And I do believe we saw some buy-ins over $200. So, you know, here you are, you could be right. You could know you're right. It doesn't even matter. The broker's not going to allow you to continue to hold it short because those are SEC regulations. Don't have All a right, borrow? Good. Can't stay yeah, short.
3: Good. Nope, that's right.
4: That's right. And those borrow costs were extremely high. Extremely high as well. So when you see these really high extreme, you know, and I think he was making that point too, these really extreme high borrow costs, they usually end up being right too. So these aren't stocks you want to put in your long-term portfolio. But at the same time, you can trade them and there can be squeezes and sometimes those are indicative of squeezes. So there can be good trades out of those things as well. Man, we're quiet here, this market. I know, I know. And I think that's the way we're gonna be for the next uh, I think we're getting into holiday trade here now. Yeah. I mean, we had the impeachment. We didn't even talk about that. I mean, it's going to be, sorry, you know, Trump bears here, but it's gonna be a non-event. And Kramer summarized it good last night. I mean, yes, he's been impeached by the House, but it's not getting through the Senate. There was no Republican, was there any – I don't think there was any Republicans that voted for impeachment
2: last it, it, night. Was there? Cra- no. It's just crazy to look at, like, the S&P reaction to, to Clinton's uh, impeachment and Nixon's resignation and yesterday. This, and there's no reaction at all. Completely different.
4: I mean – Well, they know. They're, this is not getting through the Senate. There's no – you've got to get 20 Republican votes right. to, get, to get them convicted in the Senate, to get them out of, to get them out of power. There's no way you're getting there, 20 there, Republicans. There I don't care no, what there's kind of no reaction. you're it, no, The market's saying there's no way. Right. There, there is, there's no way. Um, you know, and I'm not saying I love Trump, I hate Trump. I'm just saying there's absolutely no way this is getting through the Senate. That's what, that's what the market says. The market says that everybody, you, you can do the math. It's, you know, yeah, Trump bears have their day last night, he gets impeached. And, you know, maybe it's, you know, tarnish on the record, but you're not getting them out of power because this is not going through the Senate. There's no way you you, you get, I don't care what you, who you whip and what you do on the behind the scenes. There's no way 20 Republicans in the Senate are coming over and, you know, convicting.
2: Well, I mean, maybe Frank Underwood could whip some people.
4: (laughs) That's all you need is Frank Underwood here. That would be a shot. If Frank was here, there'd be a shot, Spencer. (laughs)
2: maybe frank we're were a real person too bad that show
4: went (laughs) off tv man it was good that's how you uh, learn about whipping all the. i I, mean it was
2: extreme i'm sure as soon as you said whip i was like you don't know how american government works you you got that (laughs) right from i got that uh, right from house of cards
4: (laughs) 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 i'm canadian
2: (laughs) yeah there's no way you know what that term means He does.
4: House of cards, Man, baby. Yourself... They teach me my politics. Yeah, they, they, they teach I me U.S. Yeah. politics the House of Cards. Isn't it like you're murdering everybody behind the scene to get your way? That isn't the way it really works? That's, of course. You know that. <laughs> I
3: mean, or you have someone else murder them so it's not pinned on you eventually. That's the way you need to do it. But, uh, well, let's wrap things up for today. Uh, Quiet range, uh, pre-market low, 94.50. The only significant uh, formation here for you pattern traders, we do have a triple top up there, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, uh, 32.02.50 to 33.32.03.50. Those are three highs in a row. I mean, someone just has a... Good tool ever order, it seems like at that area, but that's what the key. That's what you need to bust out here to do some more work in the thirty-two hundred handle. All
2: right, that's it for us. Catch our podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, tune in as well, or we watch our show on YouTube.com/slash Benzinga TV. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes only and not for investing or trading advice. Thanks to our guest, Ian Weiner. Thanks to all of you in our chats, both on YouTube and premarket.benzinger.com. Everyone, have a great rest of your day, and we'll be back with you for a final show of the week on Friday.
0: What's so special about Hero Bread? Soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas. Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to eleven grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving.